In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today in the Gospel reading, Christ is speaking to us about the heavenly life and the type of life that he has prepared for us in heaven and eternity. Uh, and he's saying this to his disciples as they were sad because he was, he, they knew that he was getting ready to leave. They knew that he was getting ready to be crucified and leave the earth. And so he is telling them, you're going to come with me. You're not, you're not, it's not just, I'm not just leaving you. I'm not leaving you here alone by yourself. But I am going ahead and preparing a place for you so that you yourself can come and follow me. And he promised them. And in uh, verse 2 of chapter 14 of the Gospel of St. John, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And so clearly the apostles had many different questions about this. What is this place? Where is it that you're going? How is it that you're preparing for us? When are we going to go there? Maybe all these questions that we have also about heaven and that we would have asked Christ the same. And he is trying to explain to them that by knowing him, they already have the tools necessary for heaven. Simply by knowing him, he is the one that reconciled them and us with God the Father. And, and, and so they begin to question him of how is it that we get there and what is it that we should do. And, and uh, St. Thomas is asking, saying, where, um, when Christ says, where I go, you know, and the way you know. So, so when Christ is telling them, you know the way, you know the way, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? How is it that we, we know this way? And actually, Christ, all throughout his ministry on earth, he was preparing his disciples and preparing all people to know the way. Every time he spoke about the narrow way, every time he spoke about living in a certain way, every time he spoke to them about having faith, every time he, he showed them all these miracles, everything that he did on earth was to prepare the way for his people so that they would know the way of salvation so that they would come to him. And he says that he prepares the place in verse 3. He says, And if I go and prepare a place for you if i go and prepare a place for you christ is preparing the way and he prepared the way through his incarnation through his crucifixion through his resurrection that he opened the gates of paradise again for all people so that we can come and enter and he spoke about reconciling us to god and saint paul speaks about this in the book of romans he says for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to god through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life saying the time at which that christ came unto the earth and he reconciled us to the father is a time that we were living in sin like god did not wait for a time when we had deserved or earned salvation or that we had lived according to a certain standard or we did something right for him then to say now you have deserved now you have done according to what i have said so now i'm coming to offer you salvation Actually, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Saying, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, now that we have been reconciled, that we shall be saved by his life. Right? His death is what reconciled us to the Father, and now his life continues to save us. We shall be saved. We shall have life with him. And this is the life that Christ is promising his disciples. He's saying, I go to prepare a life for you. I go to prepare something new for you, something you're not aware of, something you didn't have access to before. Now I'm coming to prepare the place for you. And this preparation that God had done was something that wasn't something that he was doing just then. It wasn't just that during those few years of ministry on earth that Christ was preparing a place. 
Actually, Christ was preparing the place all the way from the very, very beginning. We read about this when, when Christ is speaking in Matthew 25. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. From the foundation, from the very, very beginning, from even before the creation of the world, that God had prepared his kingdom for us to inherit. That he wanted us to be with him to inherit this kingdom that he has called us to inherit. And, and, and this was the plan of salvation. That knowing that God was uh, preparing this place ahead of time, God knew that even if sin were to enter into the world and all this that were to happen, that he was able to restore us again. We read about this in the, even in the Garden of Eden. In the same time, in the same instance as man fell and that we lost salvation and that we lost heaven and we lost communion with God, God is speaking and he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is a prophecy of the Messiah. He's saying that the seed, the descendant that is going to come from the woman, Eve, is going to crush the head and bruise the head of the serpent, who is the devil, who is death. So even from the very beginning, even though it looks like that the serpent had victory, even though it looked like the serpent had gotten what he wanted out of Adam and Eve and caused them to fall and caused them to eat of the forbidden fruit and caused them to be ejected from the garden and caused them to be separated from God. And in every way it appeared that death and, 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 and evil had won. And yet even from that same moment, God said, no, I have prepared a place for you from the foundation of the world. This is not something that's going to throw off my plan. This is not going to throw off the place that I have created and prepared for you. So I am putting into action this plan of salvation where the Messiah, where my son is going to come and he is going to redeem you again to myself. And he is going to restore you again so that you are capable of entering into this place that I have prepared for you. These mansions that he says. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. It's many, many wonderful places for all of us to be. And then he continues in verse 3, and he says, I will come again and receive you to myself. So first he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, this is the first step. And then he says, I will come again and receive you to myself. So he's speaking about his second coming. So he's saying, not only have I prepared a place for you, but I will come again and bring you to this place. I am the one who will bring you to this place. You don't have to find the way on your own. You don't have to find, figure out some complicated uh, path that you are to travel to come to this place. I am going to come and bring, it, bring you to it directly. We read about the second coming and what is going to happen at the second coming in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. It paints this amazing picture of what is it will be like on this day. That while everyone is going about their lives as normal, that suddenly there's going to be the sound of a trumpet and that the Lord will be in the air and that we will all rise up to him in the air. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's unbelievable to imagine that this is something that is going to happen. And yet this is the thing that Christ has said. I have prepared the place for you and then I will come again and receive you to myself. And this is why in the creed we say we look forward, we look to the resurrection, we look for the resurrection of the dead. We look forward to this day because this is a day where all the promises of God have 
come to pass, where everything is fulfilled, where we are no longer living here in a place of suffering and a place where the devil has dominion, but the devil has now been destroyed and been crushed and we live in a new place, in a new way, with God eternally in heaven. Then he goes on in verse 3 and he says what? That where I am, there you may be also. That where I am, there you may be also. Which is saying that this place that I am bringing to, bringing you to, this place that I have prepared for you, this is the place where I am. I am in this place. And I want you to be in this place with me. I want you to uh, enjoy everything that I have to offer. I'm giving you the best that I have. Right? God is not giving us just some things. Right? Maybe here on earth, God is giving us some blessings. He is giving us some fruit. He's giving us something good here, blessings on the earth. But the kind of blessing that God is giving us in heaven is the greatest blessing of His own presence, that He is with us without distraction, without obstacle, without, without anything to, to make us to forget about Him. You know, we say God is omnipresent, we say God is everywhere, and He is, and yet even though He is with us everywhere, we are not recognizing Him, we are not seeing Him, we're not aware of Him, because we're not thinking about Him. So maybe we miss out on His presence because we are so focused on everything else other than Him that we go throughout our week barely even remembering that He is with us in our works, in our schools, in our cars, at home, with our friends, wherever we go, even when we're alone, that He is there with us. And yet here in heaven, there is no distraction. There is nothing to keep us from realizing the truth that God is fully present with us everywhere. And not only is He present, but we enjoy His presence. You know, Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they hid from God and they went and hid in the bushes. And when they heard the voice of God and they heard Him walking in the garden, they were afraid. So even the presence of God can cause fear in us. The presence of God can make us feel afraid because of our sin, because of our darkness. And yet in heaven, the presence of God is going to simply be joy for us. In John chapter 12, it says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And here Christ is telling us what? How is it that you will be in heaven? How is it that you will be in the place where I am? It says, you serve me. If you serve me and follow me, that then wherever you are, I will also be. And wherever I am, there you will also be. If we serve God here on earth, God will allow us to be with him in heaven. And, and this is what he is saying, where I want you to be. I want you to be with me eternally. And so then at the end of this part of the, in John chapter 14, he says what? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. This is the bottom line now. When they keep asking him, where are you going? How can we go there? We don't understand. You know, show us the way. All these things that they are saying to him. And, and Philip, you know, he's saying, show us the Father. And, and Christ tells him, I've been with you all this time, this time and you still don't know me. This is the bottom line here. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And this is why the incarnation was so necessary. Because there is no means to reach the Father. There was no means to be reconciled to God. There was no means to undo the death that came upon us and the sin that entered into the world, except that Christ himself would fix this and he would undo this and he would restore us again. So he says what? That he is the way, the truth, and the life. What is the truth? The truth means that he is the reality. He is the truth. He is actually the only thing that exists in and of himself. 
There is nothing else that exists. Everything else is a creation other than God. Everything other than God is a creation of God. If God wanted to uncreate everything, he could uncreate everything and he would be the only thing that is left. He is the truth. He is the one thing that exists without any support, without anything else supporting him, uh, nourishing him, giving him strength, giving him life. He is the reality. So when we here are speaking about truth, what is the truth that we are seeking when we speak about truth? We are seeking him. We're saying, what is the truth of who you are? What is the truth that you created? Right? Because he is the only thing that is true. We are seeking after him to understand him, which is why it's very important for us to be dedicated to the idea of seeking the truth. Because when we seek the truth, we actually seek God because he is saying, I am the truth. We seek God when we seek the truth. The other thing he says is he is the life, meaning when we seek him, we are not just seeking knowledge. We are not just seeking that I now know more than I did before. You know, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge, they gained knowledge, but they didn't gain life. They gained actually death. And sometimes we equate knowledge with life. We think that the more we know, the better our lives will be. The more we know, the more powerful we'll be. The, the more we know, the more successful we'll be. But actually, sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes the more we know, the more trouble we get into. The more we know, the more stress we have. The more we know, the more we actually go away from God and not toward God. Death can actually come from knowledge because I don't know how to manage this knowledge. I don't know what to do with this knowledge. I misuse the knowledge that we have. So here he's saying he's not interested in the knowledge. He's interested in life. And this is really what we should be interested in. I want to live fully. I want to live and enjoy and experience life fully. And that is because God is in my life, not because I have these other experiences, not because I've tried all these different things in the world. Actually, King Solomon is a perfect example of someone who did try absolutely everything in the world that so many people would look to and wish that they could have and wish they could try and all the wealth and the power and the pleasure and everything that he had. And yet at the end of all of this, he said, this was vanity. This was worthless. Like I wasted my life and I wasted my time seeking after these things that are in the world because these were not life-giving. The only one that is truly life-giving and who is the source of all life is God himself. He is the creator of everything and he is the one who sustains. He is the one that gives life fully. And then finally he says what? That he is the way. And this is maybe one of the most important things he says here because they're asking him, okay, you're speaking about the life, you're speaking about heaven, you're speaking about eternity and that this is where you're going to go. But how is it that we get there? You know, how is it? When you look online and you find pictures of heaven, you'll see like pictures of clouds in the sky and then there's these stairs that like you walk up in order to get to heaven, right? What are these stairs? There are no stairs, right? If anyone wants to go to heaven, tell me where are the stairs? You're going to go somewhere in some obscure place in uh, Eastern Europe and you're going to find stairs that are going up to heaven. You're never going to find it, right? He is saying he is the stairs. He is the way. People who are physical, like us, cannot enter into the kingdom of God, right? There, there is no pathway, there is no escalator, there's no elevator, there's no stairs, there's no path in order for me, to, who is an earthly person, to enter into heaven, which is the kingdom of God. He's saying Christ is this stairs, Christ is the way, Christ is the means by which we are transferred from this life to the next life. So he's telling them, you already know the way because you already know me. I spent three years with you. And you, all this time, maybe you didn't understand what is it that you were gaining. You weren't just gaining my teaching. You weren't just gaining, you know, the ability to perform miracles. 
you know, and the apostles, when Christ sent them out two by two to preach into the, the region in Jerusalem, they came back so excited because they were able to cast out demons and heal the sick and do all of this. And what is it that Christ told them? He says, don't be excited. Don't be joyful because you can cast out demons and heal the sick. But be joyful because your names are written in heaven. Be joyful that you have salvation. And what is the reason that you have salvation? It's because you know me. It's because you believe in me. It's because I am the one who is creating that salvation for you and allowing you to go to heaven, allowing you to enter into paradise. It is because of me. So he is the way. So when we speak about what is the faith that we profess, what is it that we believe, we are seeking this relationship with Christ. We are seeking to be with him because he is the doorway and he is the path that leads to the truth and leads to the life. And this is what we are seeking. Anyone who wants the truth and anyone who wants the life will never find it anywhere apart from him. And this is what Christ was telling his disciples. You already know the way because you already know me and I am the way to get there. So today Christ is speaking to us about heaven and about how this is our true home and this is the true place that he wants us to live and he wants us to be from the very, very beginning. This is what God created us for. He created us to be heavenly beings, to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But yet we lost our way. We lost our way because of sin. And now Christ is saying, come back again. Come back again and I am the key. I am the way for you to come back again to me and to inherit fully the kingdom that I have prepared for you as sons and daughters of the king. This is your kingdom. This is your place. These are your mansions. I created them for you from the very, very beginning. This isn't anything new. There is a, there's a, a, a work um, called The Shepherd of Hermas. Shepherd of Hermas is a, a book written um, by early uh, church writers from the very, very early centuries of Christianity. And in this book, the, the writer of the book, he sees a vision of a tower. He sees this, this very big tower. And this tower represents like the church, it represents the people, okay? And each person uh, rep is represented by a stone that is used to build up the tower. Some of the stones are actively being put in the tower. Some of the stones are laying on the side. Some of the stones are very, very far away. Some of the stones are very, very deep and you can't even reach them. And the angels are like building this tower from these, from these uh, stones. And, and, and this person who wrote this book, he is asking this angel who is, you know, giving him this vision and, and he's saying, what does this mean? And he was saying, each of these stones represents a person. Those who are being active in, in their spiritual life, in their repentance, in their relationship with God, those are the ones that are being put in the tower. Those are the ones that are being built up as part of this spiritual house, as the spiritual, you know, kingdom. Whereas those who are far away, these are ones that are far away from God and are not even repenting. And then you have other ones that are like closer. Maybe they are struggling in sin, but they are repenting and they're trying, right? So this represents for us, what is it like a vision of heaven? What is it we can consider and imagine? There's another writing that speaks about um, how uh, saw a vision and there's these angels that are building different houses because here we're speaking about mansions. They're building different houses. And someone who's the person who's having this vision is looking at these angels that are building. Some of the angels are building very, very quickly. And they're building like very, very nice mansions. Other angels are building very slowly. They're not really building very much. 
and other angels for other houses are completely stopped building. They haven't done anything. And so they're asking, he's asking, what is this vision? What does this mean? And he's saying, those who have the houses, these are the houses that have been prepared for each of us, for each of the believers. The ones that the angels are building quickly, these are the ones that are very zealous in their repentance, very zealous in their spiritual life, that are seeking God actively all the time, that are attending church, that are fasting, that are praying, that are doing all of this. These are the ones that are, that are gonna come to heaven quickly. These are the ones who their house and their mansion is prepared for them because they are coming to this place. Other ones who are maybe more lukewarm in their spiritual life, maybe not really doing what it is they should, this is represented by the, the houses where the angels are building kind of slowly. And then those where the angels are not building at all, these are the ones that have completely given up. They haven't, they're not even pursuing their, their, their Christian life, their spiritual life in any way. So it's, it's revealing to us, what are these mansions? These are the place that God has prepared for each of us that He intended for them to be glorious. He intended for them to be something where it is joyful for us to live in these places as part of God's kingdom. And yet, each one of us, how is it that we decide wh where do we live and what our mansion is going to look like? Well, it's up to us. It's each of us. We, we decide. How is it that I want this to look? Am I pursuing this or am I pursuing other things? So may God grant us this understanding of the heavenly places that he has created for each of us and how we should work to reach this and that Christ himself is the way to heaven. And glory be to God forever. Amen.